There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. A safe space for St. Louis to learn about soccer. This is Soccer 101 with Michelle Smallman and Moon Valjean. Welcome back into Soccer 101. This is a safe space for St. Louis to talk about soccer. And Moon and I are so pleased to be joined by our guest this week. We have St. Louis City SC's head coach, Bradley Carnell, joining the podcast. Coach, thanks so much for the time. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks, uh, Michelle, for having me over. Uh, excited to have a couple of minutes chat with you guys. Welcome, Coach Carnell. I just want to say a uh, huge honor to have you here. We are such fans. And thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you've done for this city <laughs> and, and for giant fans like us here in St. Louis. Okay, Michelle, take it. Okay, well, Coach, you're sitting there at 9, 2, and 5. You're still at the top of the table in the Western Conference. You're having tons of success so far this season. But I want to know how things have shifted for you. So you, you come in as an expansion team. This is the first time that this group of players is playing together the first time you're coaching this group. What were the expectations at the beginning of the season and how have they changed up until this point? Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? So I always said to the group, you know, uh, whether it was in preseason or we started off on that uh, fairy tale run of 5-0, and oh, I said we set the standard every single time. So, you know, the only people we are watching is ourselves. Um, and uh, uh, we hope that would have made, a, made us competitive. And we could see after the first two scrimmages in preseason that, man, we were damn competitive. So um, it was pretty fun to watch straight away and off the bat. And I think even more so impressive than the performances was the commitment to the group, um, the commitment to the collective and, and just the honesty and the humility everyone's brought to the table. And uh, just knowing we have an amazing landscape here, an amazing platform to, to do our job. So Every day we come to work, we should be all pinching ourselves because we've been given a great foundation to work um, and thrive in, right? We've been given the tools um, to really grow and, and, and get things together as a group going. So now what is the result of that? I think success is now a result of that, right? If you have all those pillars in place and, you know, we've done strategic scouting throughout the last couple of months to get this group up and going, um, you know, we did all the Zoom calls, all the interviews. We did all the due diligence to get uh, the player profiles, you know, down to point. So how does that all come together? It doesn't always pan out. But, you know, I think Lutz has done an amazing job, you know, and we've all committed to the bigger picture. And, you know, and that's why we are where we are. Yeah, the entire organization has just done such an incredible job. It's been so impressive from uh, from the stadium build to how you guys have operated the, the the team and the lineup. And when you guys first came out, obviously, you know, everybody has 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 a big part, like you said, in player profiles and all that. But you're the one making decisions on who to put on the field. And, um, you know, we had heard a lot in preseason about how the, the, the pitch was built a little bit more narrow. You guys were going to be an attacking, you know, counterattacking sort of speed built sort of team. Yeah. And within a few weeks, we were seeing debuts of guys like Joe Akini and Match Day 2 and a, and a few others. And you were kind of mixing and matching. We were seeing a lot of different players. And obviously, 
you guys have done an incredible job, but what is the decision-making from a fresh team perspective and changing up the lineup and maybe the formation here and there uh, for those first couple matches? What is the decision-making for a coach that goes into that kind of stuff to then get us to 5-0 and out of the gate like that? Yeah, I just think it's, you know, the inter- I've spoken about the internal competition um, drives us, you know, and, and helps us, guide us in terms of match day decisions. Um as well as executions, right? So just thinking about, you know, how we've had, I don't know, 13, 14 different goal scorers. I think we've used 26 or 27 out of 28 or 29 players on the roster type of thing. So, you know, we've committed to everyone and, and we thought, you know, everyone has a fair chance. Everyone got over 350 minutes in preseason um, in terms of giving us, you know, I always said to the players, you guys are like salesmen. You're pitching, you, you got your sales pitch to me. You go out on the field and you hand out your business card. So give me your business card and show me what you got. So this is the kind of mentality we had and, and the group committed to it and uh, you know I think the group saw that everyone there's no favoritism with me you have to bring it every single day on the field and uh, yeah whether you you're a DP or or whether you the rookie on the team so you've all got a fair shot at this so um, and I think that's what we wanted to do with the group very early on uh, you know we didn't prioritize favorite uh, get any favorites or you know any any majority uh, going um, and that's where you see the collective win over time now over time now we're at match day 16 and there's still different profiles, different formations, different. So credit to the boys to be able to be, you know, uh, flexible enough and, and this really open and growth mindset of, of just getting better every single day. So it's really fun working with these guys, you know. Okay, coach, I want to stick there for a second because there are certain guys that even though everyone had a fair shot that you probably had a little bit more um, expectations for, like a a Klaus or a Berkey, et cetera. Who's a player that gave you that business card that really impressed you? Maybe somebody that we aren't talking about all the time. Yeah, I mean, listen, you look at I think we have a whole bunch of them, right? You look at the Miggy Perez, you know, the second ever homegrown signing. And then, you know, he scores two goals so far, one in the Open Cup, one in uh, one in the league play. So not just any goal scoring contributions, but also just committing to the process. And uh, yeah, we, we you know, we, we sh- a short term loan of, of Johnny Klein from City 2. And then he makes his debut against Sporting KC. What a fairy tale story, right? So um, and then you look at Kyle Hebert, who's, you know, committed to City 2 last year, um, came out of college, you know, wasn't drafted. Nobody, you know, really put it in layman's terms. Nobody wanted him. Um, and we saw physical profiles that we really liked. And uh, I love working with center backs of, of certain profiles. And you can just see now the growth of this individual um, who's really, you know, committed to what we are doing and, and making a position his own. And now we've used him at so many different positions along the back line. And at the moment, he's playing left uh, back, left outside back. So, um, and then he gets called up for the national team. So there's a lot of guys, Celio Pompeu, right? Another guy coming from college. And and that's the beauty about the philosophy. That's the beauty about the identity and the culture that we've tried to create. And uh, yeah, we, we know that with our intensity we play with uh, it's not just the best flashiest tech most technical players that that should be the ones getting selected it's the ones who really show the grip the determination the grind of of really you know being aggressive to play against being really uncomfortable to play against um and those are the profiles i like and then you get the the cream right then you get klaus love and vasilev now really coming on in leaps and bounds and and really getting good reps at, at really you know ways ways best suited at, at a number 10 role 
Um, but again, I, I, you know, can I signal one out? I think all guys who've come in have either, you know, got their careers back on track, resurrected their careers, whether it's been MLSs or guys coming from Europe who weren't really playing. So it's been a bit of a, an edgy group trying to prove something. And uh, I went through it myself as a player, um, as, a, <clears throat> as a Bundesliga player, having to then resort to Bundesliga 2. Um, and then going through an amazing journey, getting promoted with that team a year and a bit later. So, you know, um, and I can kind of see the synergy and the chemistry as I had with that team in Germany. I can see it with this group now. Yeah, I mean, you've done an incredible job. And, and like you said, seeing some of these players uh, throw themselves into different positions and really sort of use it, you, you seem to be developing a lot of incredibly talented utility, utility players that can kind of jump all over the place. Yeah. So my, my question is, since, um, since St. Louis is new to the MLS market, and there's a lot, I mean, that's what our podcast is built for, is to try to help people get into the sport. Obviously, you guys have done a, an amazing job with that, uh, getting just the excitement, the stadium going and everything. What is, as a coach, and you mentioned that uh, in training, it's a com it's a friendly competition to to earn your respect enough to get a starter or to get a sub, and and get out there and prove themselves. So, what would you tell somebody that's new to the sport? Might mean might be new to watching the league. What should they be looking for in a player other than stats? Because we got a lot of people. I, I would crash on a couple players and be I'd be kind of hard on them and say that you know they need to pick this up or, or or whatever it was. But they but people would argue with me and talk about stats. And I'm saying there's so much more you're looking at than just stats. What are you as a coach looking at? And what would you suggest someone new to the sport to be looking at in these players while they're playing on and off the ball? Yeah, I would say anything you've ever learned about the game crumple it up and throw it away because we, our, our philosophy is totally different, right? So we, we want to play vertical in transition. We want to play, get to the opponent's goal as high as possible, right? So we want to turn over the balls. We want to defend forwards and defend brave. So traditional soccer, you know, I would say laws, rules, restrictions. Usually, you know, if there's a big turnover or a transition, the first mindset is run back and defend your goals, Right. We actually go the other way. We defend forwards and, and collapse as a group around the ball. So our orientation is always the ball. So, um, And it takes a, a fearless warrior. It takes a lot of bravery to, to go out of your comfort zones and, and play like that instinctively. So, you know, and we have a lot of these guys who have come in and we've seen glimpses of that. And, and it's a commitment. It's a work in progress every single day. You said friendly competition in training. You know, you should come out one of these days and see how friendly it is. I don't think it's that friendly. <laughs> All right. I'd love <laughs> I to. Think, I think it's pretty intense. And, and that's where we drive the internal competition. And we are driving the principles as coaches on the outside. We are hounding the guys. You know, it's, it's very synchronous. It's in the moment. We're trying to spark the energy and get them going. Um, so for us, it's, it's just about a commitment, you know, whether it's in the, the front office, whether it's in the coaching staff or whether it's in the players and, and everybody around the players, just making sure that we live almost on edge and, and it's a lifestyle. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just pitching up and you, you, you know, you, you unwrap your, your suit and you get into another suit and you become this automatically a different soccer player. No, I feel you have to live it. We have a ping pong table downstairs. It's highly competitive. There's three different leagues, and you can only get into the one league if you, you know, bounce somebody off the other <laughs> league. So it's a promotion relegation. So everything, everything we do is is based on competition, right? So everything we do is based on principles, and and everything we do is just a commitment to the group. So yeah, again, it's I sit here every day just pinching myself and enjoying the moment. Okay, coach. So who's the best ping pong player on the team? We need to know. So Isak Jensen is by far, well, uh -huh. if I said by far, the probably <laughs> best level, you know, so Kyle Hebert, <laughs> Indy Vestlev, Isak Jensen are probably the three best ones at the moment. Wow. I'm probably, I'm probably number 10. 
maybe 10. So. Okay, yeah. and then who needs to pick it up? Who's actually struggling struggling in the ping pong department? Who's actually struggling? Um, I don't know. Jared Stroud, you know, always gets picked on. Um, <laughs> not sure if it's Miggy Perez, uh, but there's a couple of staff right at the bottom. So the staff first need to pick up the game. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, well, as, as a coach, I mean – there are superstar coaches and and as people get into the sport they start understanding really the importance of of the head coach of the manager and uh, we'll start following managers i myself enormous sir alex ferguson fan of course um you know the 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 claps the um arson vangers i mean what does somebody do to get? I know you've been in the MLS for now, you know, seven, six, seven seasons now, yep. and you've have you you've had such an experience in so many different leagues. What would you say to somebody that's interested in coaching? What is the path to become a, a an MLS head coach? I mean, this is something that I myself am interested in, and I know plenty of people are because maybe they're not players or maybe they're former yeah. players, and they're really really watching the uh the tactics the formations yeah. all of it that goes into becoming the next coach bradley carnell i think authenticity you know i think you can look at so many role models and you can look at so many uh coaches and and there's so much content whether it's youtube or what have you you know but i think the you can all learn the game right but can you in those moments, and, and I grow every single day, I see new things and, and my players challenge me in many ways. And, and uh, you know, the staff and I discuss and, and find ways to get better every single day and, and try and keep on progressing as, as coaches, as people, as man managers. Um, but I would say, you know, it's just not a copy and paste. <laughs> every day you get faced with new challenges, whether it's trying to manage the individual. And, and I think the higher you go up the ladder, I think it becomes less about the tactics. It becomes, you know, obviously tactics are a very important piece of it. It becomes about how you manage the person. Um, and I think because you're dealing with people, you're not dealing with robots. You're not, you know, it's very easy to, sh you know, just be, you know, on and off like a switch, right? You do this like this and just be very rigid. Um, there's always a bit of flexibility to find within it. So, you know, if I have to look at myself, I'm a very against the ball oriented coach, right? So very, uh, you know, high pressing, high energy, high octane. Um, but the group I have right now, you know, I would say they're a bunch of good soccer players too. They're very technical. So it's not all just about pressing, pressing, running, you know, like crazy uh, headless chickens. You know, we, we have to now have some structure, some process and build in some moments where we actually enjoy the game, where we actually enjoy um, our possession. And, and our possession doesn't mean we have to have 85% passing accuracy. I think we're the lowest in the league with the passing accuracy. But, I mean, we have a high uh, goal-scoring um, chart. If you map out where we are in the league with our goal-scoring chances, I think we're in the top five or six teams, you know. Um, shots off on target, we are also right up there. So, um, again, verticality, first pass forward, you know, the, the range and sequences of our passes are all, you know. So, as a coach, you need to find your way and stay in that lane. You cannot be a master of all the trades. So whether you commit to the position or whether you have to commit to one process and find your niche and find your way to get better within that first before you start venturing out and fanning out, uh, you know, in other areas of, of the game. Well, Coach, as we are right there about the halfway point of the season, what have you learned about this group as players and as people? So I feel that sometimes the more pressure that my group gets put under, the more they step out and enjoy the moment, 
So mm-hmm. I'm really happy with that um, because we've we've been in pretty adverse situations. You know, we go five and zero. Oh. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with these emotions? It's never been done in the MLS. It's never been accomplished what we've what we've accomplished, right? And then we fall into a little bit of a divot. We fall into a little bit of a hole. And how we start now rebuilding and and you know grinding out and trying to process just what's gone on, and now trying to learn and grow from these moments and trying to get better. And then, you know, it takes a it takes a game against Cincinnati that's a rain delay and and what have you. And then all of a sudden we come out the blocks flying after two hours of a of a break, and and we go up five zero, concede one late, we win the game five one. But just to show that the resiliency of our group at times when we feel really beat up and tough. Um, or we're missing a few players. Now we were missing Klaus the last couple of weeks. So in real tough moments, we found ways for our guys to step up and, and sort of take ownership of, of the group and take ownership and leadership in, in moments where some key players are missing. So, and that's what's been fun about, you know, the most important thing. And, and Lutz always jokes around and says, it's the designated team, you know, not the, not the designated players that we have. And you can see that at so many moments throughout our training sessions, throughout the little group projects that we might do and, and initiatives. And there's, there's a bunch of guys willing to, to stand up and take ownership, so which is great. Well, speaking of Klaus, Coach, what sort of update can you give us on him? <laughs> so um, I think, you know, a couple of days ago, I think a week ago, I gave a two-week update. So just, you know, we have about another eight to ten days before we give another update. Okay. Um, so I don't imagine any new, you know, things happening within the next eight to ten days, which is pretty unfortunate. Um, but Klaus knows his body best. Um, you know, he's, he had a little uh, similar issue last season, and, and he knows his body really well. So we progressed him to a moment where we thought he's coming back. Um, and unfortunately, he wasn't ready, so we just shut him down straight away. He didn't re-injure it. He didn't have any setbacks, but uh, we've just taken a little step, you know, uh, to give him a bit more time coming back. On the flip side, we see a guy like Joachim Nielsen now slowly integrating with the team, and, and we've seen this guy arrive, shut it down, have two operations, been through the, cut- the crutches, the, the leg braces and everything, and now today he's training with us, you know, so... Um, that's been a real amazing inspirational story for us as, as coaches, as players, to see this guy um, being on the field with us. And, and I think it's just inspired a lot of people along the way through this very difficult struggle. Incredible. Uh, so uh, on Soccer 101, like I said, we, we're always trying to teach people and get people into the sport and kind of uh, educate some of the newer ones on, uh, you know, what's happening, some different terms. We've covered talisman. We've Last week on our last episode, we were talking about the table and how the points work and everything. I got to ask, would you favor an MLS scenario where it was relegation and promotion or do you like the playoff system and the single table like this? Yeah, listen, I mean, obviously, growing up and coming out of an environment where pro-rel, you know, type of game format is normal, traditional, right? So, obviously, my mindset is a little bit more attuned and accustomed to the promotion relegation, right? So, it took me a couple of couple of seasons to, to kindly feel comfortable at home with the playoff scenario. Um, and I would say, you know, the most the most awkward or the most, you know, uncomfortable or disappointing moment in 2018 when the Red Bulls, you know, we go on and win the Supporters' Shield um, and you're trying to explain to everyone in Europe or back home in South Africa that, yeah, we kind of won the league, but we didn't win the cup. Like, and they were like, what are you talking about? You know, so trying to educate the rest of the world about how we do things here in America. But I believe if you, if you're part of a league and you're part of a, 
a project and a, and a program, you know, I think the only way to get the benefit out of the program is to commit to it. So right now I'm in the fully committed, you know, uh, side of, of the MLS. And uh, sometimes it's something that we don't quite understand because you go 34 games, which is a real stretch of a season. You know, you endure the, the injuries, the summer months, the winter months, the travel, and to come out on top after 34 games and you don't really get rewarded for, you know, that you can go on a playoff run and, and win a couple of rounds, three, four more games, and now you become champions, you know, which which is almost, you know, a little bit ironic in its in its own sense. But, uh, you know, you have to commit to that and, and uh, you know, enjoy this process too. So I'm a little bit impartial there because, you know, I committed to one way as, as a player my whole life. Um, and I've been promoted and I've been relegated, so I know what it does. Right. I know what it brings to the region. I know what it brings to the front office. I know what 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 demolition it does to the front office, right? So if you're in the Bundesliga and, and you get relegated, as I have been, there's maybe 50 people that are – or 50 to 60 people that are out of jobs the very next day, right? So you think about the players. You think about the staff. So, you know, is this, a, I would say, slightly more relaxed atmosphere? Maybe, you know, and I think now lately you can see a little bit more pressure – growing within the league in the MLS, uh, the coaches, the staff, the players, they're really put under a little bit more pressure in terms of performance, all right? So, and that I embrace because we can't have it all the own way, our own way, nice, comfortable, safe, and try and get playoffs and wait, you know, flurry for the last couple of games, get above the line, and then we'll try and make a playoff run, right? So I think we have to be held accountable. Um, and that's what the fans are doing for us. And I think we all have to, for us to get better as players, as coaches, is to be, you know, really up to speed for every single minute. I love that. And I, and I love that you, you mentioned pressure and how you uh, really love that. Cause uh, I heard, I think it was Taylor Twelman a couple of days ago, reiterate something that I love. And that was that pressure is privilege. And I just want to say when you're mentioning pressure and the pressure that uh, the team and the players and the front offices are under, I just want to say you guys are, have been under tremendous pressure, not only as the, you know, the, the, the newest team, but a team that came out of the gate setting records that, that nobody knew what to expect from. And then all of a sudden now all the expectation is on you. So I just want to yeah. thank you personally and it's such an honor to be a fan of this team and this and this this region and this fan group that supports you guys and you guys have been just exemplary your communication with people like us with the with the community with the league all eyes are on us and you guys have accepted this pressure as privilege and done such an exceptional job and i just want to say thank you for your part in it yeah no it's our pleasure and it's almost the easy thing that's the easy part you know because from a from a recruiting standpoint you know um Everybody within these four walls, within the training facility, is here for the common goal, right? And and uh, we almost have this uh, when we're hiring people here, you know, we don't. There's no entitlement. There's no, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're treating people the right way. We want to make sure that our messages are clear. We want to make sure that we're doing the things in the right way. And you can see, you can see with regards to our, you know, what do we want to do? We want to you know, get connected to the community. We want to develop young players. We want to develop nobodies, right? And and give them give them something. And I pride myself in in doing that dirty work. You know, we pride ourselves as coaches in, in going the long haul and, and going all the way and, and making sure we make this a project that's sustainable. Um, and that's the only way to do it is if you do it from the from the bottom up. So the academy was the very first thing up and running before the club was even, you know, when Lutz was here 2020, he started with the academy, right? So, and then you can see now the Caden Glovers, the Miguel Perez of the world. Uh, there's another kid, Tyson Pierce. So there's some players all through the ranks that, you know, aren't really on the map yet. Some are, like a, like a Miguel Perez. 
basis on the map, but uh, you know, we're working on the next succession plans already uh, for when these guys move on to hopefully bigger and greater things. So yeah, it's just part of the project. And, and I said, we're all lucky to be part of this project. Okay, last thing for me, coach, you can control a lot of things. You can control the tactics. You can control the, the roster that you put out. I wish it you, was that easy. <laughs> yeah, you can control the message, right? You can control the culture. You can't control the fans and you can't control the environment in which your team plays. But with that being said, how pleased have you been with the home environment that City SC gets from St. Louis and from its supporters? Yeah, I would say it's ridiculous. You know, I think it's incredible <laughs> something that's so unique to the league. Like I've traveled to every stadium, right? And and there's a couple of new teams on the block now as well. You think about Austin, who's got a great one, Nashville, who's got a really good one. But I think the culmination of the history of St. Louis, right? This The crazy, the sports fanatic in the St. Louis and, um, and then bringing soccer to St. Louis and then the, with the way and the style of, so we can control the way we play, right? I think with the energy and the style we play, almost excites the fan, right? It just becomes 90 minutes of like bumper cars and chaos. And, you know, that's, we're just trying to keep the St. Louis and the fan on the edge of their seats. Um, and that's what we can control. What, what is inspiring for me is that the fans have taken it on and run with it. They've, they've taken it up another level. I mean, uh, I heard we broke the DB uh, sound decibels with Miggy Perez when he scored the goal. You know what I mean? So um, one of the loudest moments that we've all ever experienced in a stadium. And I've been all over the world with, with great atmospheres and, and really exciting things happening. So for us, but it's, you know, it's humbling for me to know what it's meant to the city of St. Louis and, and credit to the ownership group to bring soccer to St. Louis because um, you know, there's been a bunch of individuals developed over time, you know, over the last hundred years, right? So we, we know about the 50s team that uh, defeated England, um, you know, and, and there were five St. Louisans on that team. So we know how much it means. When I go out into the store or when I go to a restaurant, you know, the acknowledgement and the appreciation what we are doing um, for the city, again, it's just totally humbling because... Yeah, I'm just doing my job. I'm doing my job to the best way possible. And uh, I don't think we're doing anything special. We're just doing what we, you know, this is our jobs. But the passion, the energy, the excitement that we are bringing um, entertains the fans. And it's kind of working both ways, you know. So what we are bringing makes them happy, the fan. And what the fans are doing for us inspires us and propels us to another level. So, yeah, it, it, again, like I started the, the chat saying it's just we have to pinch ourselves every day. Um, you know, I, I pinch myself twice every day, <laughs> once when I arrive and when I go home. <laughs> well, my last thing has to do with pinching ourselves as well. I think a lot of America, I mean, first of all, the MLS has been through so much in the last, you know, 27, 28 seasons. Uh, we've had some huge moments. Beckham coming into the league, obviously tons of eyes that helped grow the league. St. Louis has done its part. City uh, has, has helped to get a lot more eyeballs on MLS. And of course, the latest announcement was Messi coming over here, which undoubtedly is probably the biggest thing to happen uh, to the MLS. Uh, and it, it'll be it'll be huge for the growth of it. And it does seem like from the commissioner, Don Garber, down to assistant coaches and everybody, everybody has this huge team effort about growing this league, improving this league. Sure. And now, now it's just come to this precipice where the planet is really watching. This is before even the Messi stuff. Now that Messi is hitting, um, obviously this could be enormous. Um, and they're saying, you know, uh, the, the the transfer has to the transfer window has to open up, and he may debut in July. I guess it's unlikely that he'll hit our St. Louis date 
yeah. on uh, July 15th. But let's sure. say that he does. And I'm not, I don't want to make this about Messi or that particular match. But let's say when you do play a guy like Messi, are you changing the tactics? Are you going into it differently? I feel like your answer is going to be no. But as a coach, as a tactician, what do you do when you're playing against arguably the greatest of all time? Yeah, we, we have to be brave and, and commit to our process. And, and usually games where we play against big DPs is usually the games where we have the best results, right? So um, because our way is tough to play against um, and it's frustrating and you can really get under the skin of the individual um, and, and just a collective buy-in from all the players. And uh, we want to be like almost a bunch of mosquitoes being around, you know, um, this individual uh, and if he does play, I mean, it will be a great challenge. It will be a great test for our coaching staff, for me as a, as a coach. You know, it challenges us in many ways. Um, and what a moment for, for the league, for the club. What a, I mean, it's just awesome. So, um, you know, what we don't want to go away from, you know, many years ago, this was known as the retirement league. You know, Messi has a lot of things still to give in terms of his physical profile. I mean, he's a he's a recent World Cup winner, right? So, I mean, he's got he's got a. <laughs> we don't need to speak about his resume and what he's done for the game, and and one of the greatest of all time. So, you know, to get the the caliber of a player like that in the league, we should all just sit back and and say wow. But now, how can we? you know, defeat into Miami? How can we defeat the Lionel Messi of the world? So um, this is a great challenge for us and I'm excited about it because uh, we don't believe in the deep, big, big DP players. We believe in the collective and uh, we believe the collective always wins. Well, coach, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your generosity. Great conversation. Thank you for everything you're doing for St. Louis and continue uh, uh, with all the great work. We no, appreciate thank you. you. Thanks, thank for you coach. thanks, Moon. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, coach. We appreciate you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Holy smokes. That was incredible. What a, what a great dude. And every, every single thing I've seen him do, uh, he's just such a great communicator. He was talking about how as a coach, you know, you really have to communicate and you're, you're talking to players, you're taking them under your wing, you're mentoring them essentially. He is a great communicator on the field, off the field, every single piece of press that I've seen. And uh, man, it's just, it's just obvious that he is as genuine as it gets. What a real deal. You know what I love? Uh, there were so many portions of that that I loved, but one thing that I really respect from coach Carnell is how dedicated he is to their process and their style of play. It's never about what the other team is going to do. They're going to stay true to their mission, their ethos and the way that they play. And I think that's part of the reason that they've had such great success. Yeah. And it's super cool too listening to him talk about uh, some of his experience over in the European leagues. I don't know why, but some coaches like seem to think that they don't want to talk about their past or, or whatever, but it's, it's clear that he's taken a lot of those Bundesliga and, uh, and European League, um, their approach to the youth academies, so intensely serious. And he was talking about his focus on the youth academies and Luz's focus on the youth academies. And that is huge, not only for like the homegrown talents that we get to cheer on, you know, St. Louis kids that just graduated high school and scored their first MLS goal <laughs> two days later, but like truly like from the ground up communicating and mentoring players into a particular style of play to get the absolute most out of their skill, out of their hustle, out of their dedication. Um, it's very cool that the, we've brought that since day zero, you know, day s sub two years from when the, the, uh, the, the team was fielded. And I'm so glad that he is committed to that. Like the club has been committed to, to it before he was even uh, brought to St. Louis. Just what a what a what a perfect pairing. What a perfect package, man. Uh, Lutz really put it together here with with Coach Carnell. 
They did indeed. And again, City is at nine, two, and five. They just had a one-one draw with um, LA, but they're still sitting right there at the top of the table in the Western Conference Moon. Yeah, the next match is uh, the 17th against Nashville. That's in Nashville. I think it's going to be a little bit of a tougher tougher match than L.A. But, man, everybody's talking about Messi. You want to get into Messi at all here to, to, to sure. wrap things up? Okay, so talking about Messi, Coach actually said something about Messi coming over here, and he's it's not like he's beyond his prime. We're not talking about a retirement uh, sort of sort of move here from, from Messi. Messi just won the World Cup mm-hmm. last year. So he is fresh on the freaking FIFA World Cup championship. This dude has 800-plus-something goals, over 350 assists, and over 1,000 appearances for club and country. That's just club and country. Don't forget this kid has been tearing through competitors since he was a child. He's the all-time leading goal scorer for Argentina and for Barcelona. The guy won the Copa America in 2021, the finalissima in 2022. Uh, again, the World Cup, like I mentioned, in 2022. They say that as of now, and this is so hard to look up messy stats as well, because once you do, it's obsolete. Once somebody prints them, it's obsolete because the guy changes it. He scores a hat trick or something, you know, eight hours later. Mm-hmm. But they say that he has a goal contribution. And again, over a thousand appearances. He has a goal contribution of 1.23 for every 90 minutes. That means he wow. scored more than once for every single game he has played. I'm only halfway through the first blurb of this guy's trophies. 34 trophies in his career. There's probably more more than, than we even know about that, including seven Ballon d'Ors. Now that means this guy has been trophied as the greatest player on the planet at least seven times. He's the best FIFA men's player three times, two UEFA men's player of the year awards, eight La Liga best players, 12 domestic league champions, four Champions League championships, 14 FIFA FIF Pro World 11s. This dude is maybe the most decorated soccer soldier of all time. Is that all? I'm sure it's not all. That's just the first blurb that this silly thing gave me. I, like I said, it's so hard to look up this guy's stats. He's he's done so very much. And we're going to see greatness here. The guy has so much more to give. Can you imagine what we're going to see from him in the MLS? No, I can't. And I can't imagine what the metrics are going to be and how this is going to grow the league. I uh, was looking at different ticket prices since Messi announced he was coming to MLS. And let's say for a game, ticket prices are averaging 90 bucks for the game that Inter Miami is going to be there. For most teams, they're in the three $400 range. That's uh, the type of impact that Messi is going to have, not only from a rating standpoint, an eyeball standpoint, but a financial standpoint as well. That's nothing. My buddy has okay seats over at City Park, and okay meaning like they're incredible, but they're not like, you know, right on the half line or nothing. And uh, I think he usually sells them for 100 bucks, and he just sold all four of them for 1000 each. A thousand each? A thousand each. People just at the opportunity to maybe see Messi at his first debut there in City Park. It's going to be incredible. And um, this is a growing league and the league is getting even better and better. It really is better every single week and every season. This man's mind on the field is so intensely studied, so intensely natural, so intensely different than everybody else. And I actually read a couple of things recently about how Messi has such or had such an intense anxiety going onto the field, such wow. like uh, like crippling difficulties getting on the field, where he actually learned to develop to kind of not really play for the first two. Or 
two to three to four minutes. And somebody put together all the stats and they said, if you watch Messi, especially in the first like decade of professional play, he was never really a part of any plays in those first few minutes. And it was because he was kind of getting out there and just taking it all in and looking around and going, oh, this guy's running a little funny over here or, oh, this guy's pressing up or he just kind of stood around the middle of the field and just observed. This is one of the greatest soccer minds we will ever witness in in live play. So we are so, so very blessed, fortunate, lucky, whatever you want to say, to live in this country and be able to see him come here in pretty much like the back end of his prime. I can't be more thrilled uh, at the opportunity to see what he's going to do and just, just, just to get to watch him more minutes because I don't watch the French League. Who's watching the French League right now? That's right. Well, what a great episode, Moon. Um, thank you again to St. Louis City SC head coach Bradley Carnell for the amazing conversation. A lot of great things happening with City, a lot of great things happening with MLS and the excitement that Messi is on his way. And uh, Moon, we didn't even talk about the game versus LA, but we'll be back again next week and we'll be getting more into what's happening on the pitch with City. But until then, go Messi!